Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Mays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Thursday, September 21st. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun, clouds today. Just another beautiful day on the way. High 74. Tonight, overnight. Some clouds, nice and cool for sleeping, low 61. And then Friday, another great day, mostly cloudy, though, but the high is going to be 72. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 53 and clear in Pleasantville up in Westchester County, 55 and clear in Perth Amboy down in New Jersey, and it is 58 and clear here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hours, Sid and friends in the morning. Uh, last night, uh, breaking news about the migrants, President Biden announcing that he'll grant temporary protected status to Venezuelan migrants here. The move, which was confirmed by New York state officials later in the night, including Governor Hochul, means that Venezuelans who have arrived here uh, to New York um, before July of this year can now get work permits. So that's going to be about 15,000 of the 110 or 15,000. Who knows? We've lost track of this number at this point. It's over 100,000. Of the 100,000 migrants that arrived here, 15,000 are from Venezuela. They won't have to wait 180 days to get a work permit. They'll be able to get one now right away and find a job. Uh, Governor Hochul applauding this move by the White House. She actually met with President Biden while he was here for the General Assembly, United Nations. This is a, a good approach, and I thank the president for having a limit. This is for people who came before July 31st, so it's not an enticement for more to come after. I think that was an important consideration. But also, it really does have to slow down at the border because... The volume keep growing and growing. Again, the move means Venezuelans granted that status will now not have to wait that 180-day period before becoming eligible for work. Mayor Adams, he called into Eyewitness News last night applauding the move as well. Right now, this will impact 15,000 out of the 60,000 asylum seekers who are in our care, and we are getting 10,000 a month. So now the question is, well, you might ask, why are the Venezuelans given this work status ahead of everybody else? Uh, it's partly because of the ongoing socioeconomic and political crisis that's been going on in Venezuela for years now. Uh, and so they really see the Venezuelans, the White House, as asylum seekers. And uh, they say, well, they are escaping hostility, uh, super duper inflation. And so that's part of the reason they get to go to the front of the line and get these work permits. This going on as the battle continues out on Staten Island to stop the 
migrants who were being bussed into what was once a senior citizen living center in Midland Beach there. There were neighbors out in the streets last night trying to ensure that more buses would not come through. We had agreed to be peaceful, and we were. But we weren't saying anything detrimental. We just didn't. We said, go to Manhattan. It ain't right. Keep trying. See what happens. You know, we're the only only borough that's going to keep fighting. You'll remember on Wednesday night, no, Tuesday night, there were 10 arrests during the protest. There's some people stood in the way of a bus full of migrants that were making its way to that senior center last night. Not as many people out in the streets. Um, no word of any arrest, at least into us. They come off the bus. They might not go in the shelter. They, they could rob you. It'll be less expensive. So send them home. Get it legally. Everybody came here illegally. So the neighbors say they will stay out in those streets in Midland Beach to try to stop more buses from coming in. It is what it is. What can we do about it, you know? Understand it's a good cause to bring people that have nowhere else to go, but when we're not doing good, we can't afford to do that, I feel like. All right, and one of the other big stories happening overnight, the union that represents school bus drivers reaching a tentative agreement with the three largest school bus companies, essentially averting this widespread strike here in the city. The tentative three-year deal between the ATU 1181 and the largest bus company still must be ratified by the rank and file, but the thought is it will be. That represents about 4,000 routes. This was a big deal because if they had walked off the job as they threatened to do, about 86,000 students would have lost their ride to school here in the city, and the city would have been scrambling to figure out ways to get them there. Thankfully, it looks like that will not happen. These drivers getting what they want, the biggest part of their new package would be higher pay. The other story that continues to ruminate in Washington, D.C., is this idea of age limit for politicians. This bill being proposed in Congress would say that uh, at 75, you're done. And so, as you might guess, because there's a fair amount of older lawmakers in Washington, not just President Biden, but in Congress, it is not faring well there. One of them is a Texas Congresswoman, Sheila Jackson Lee. She's 73 years old, so that would mean she'd only have two years left in office. And no, she's not in favor of this proposed bill. It's a congressman who's trying to push it through. Institutional memory gone. The ability to have elected persons in the people's house. Yes. Yeah, so the thought is, uh, how could you put an age limit? Uh, people, some people are great at 75, others not so much. Uh, politicians' age has come to the spotlight thanks to the health scares from Senator Feinstein and Senator McConnell. Uh, some people would point to, uh, to President Biden as well. I think it is important to point out that the founding fathers rejected it. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, this is what her thought is, uh, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee. She said, let's leave it the way it is now. It's up to the voters to decide. If they think we're too old to be in office, they will vote us out. We don't need a bill that says at 75 you have to get out. It undermines the people's ability to run their government as they Choose. WABC News Time 508. Let's go down to Washington. Attorney General Merrick Garland on the hot seat before Congress yesterday, pushing back against accusations that the Justice Department is full of political bias. Testifying before the House Judiciary Committee yesterday, Garland says he's not the president's lawyer. Our job is to pursue justice without fear or favor. Our job is not to do what is politically convenient. 
This comes as Republicans have accused the DOJ of unfairly targeting President Biden's political rival, of course, former President Trump. Garland also claimed he takes no orders from the president or Congress or White House about who to criminally investigate. Our job is not to take orders from the president, from Congress or from anyone else about who or what to criminally investigate. Republicans also accused Garland of protecting the president and his son, Hunter Biden, in Hunter's tax and gun case. We will not be intimidated. We will do our jobs free from outside influence, and we will not back down from defending our democracy. It was an interesting moment to watch in D.C. He was also accused of weaponizing the Justice Department to attack conservatives. Texas Congressman Chip Roy grilling him on the FACE Act, which criminalizes protests that block access to abortion. Enforcement of the FACE Act has been biased towards pro-lifers over anti-life protesters. One hundred and twenty six And he wants the FACE Act wiped off the books. Their argument is that it's no longer needed since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. Versus four times for people who dare to question the issue of life. And Republican lawmakers pressing Garland over the FBI's handling of investigations into Catholic and pro-life groups during this hearing yesterday. New Jersey Republican Jefferson Van Drew listing a series of incidents of alleged anti-Catholic bias within the FBI. He asked Garland whether he believed traditional Catholics are violent extremists. I think that... Are they extremists or not, Attorney General? Everything in that memo is... Are they extremists or not? I'm asking a simple question. Say no if you think that was wrong. Catholics are not extremists. No. Garland said, uh, ridiculous, he says that he would discriminate against anybody based on their religion. It's so outrageous. It's so absurd. Mr. Attorney General, it was your FBI that did this. The allegations arose... Uh, from an internal FBI memo that suggested there may be a threat posed by Catholics. WABC News Time 511. There were other hearings in Washington as well. Kind of interesting ones. One, illegal immigration costing U.S. taxpayers at least $180 billion this year. That number coming out during this congressional hearing on the price tag of the president's border policy. We're talking about the human tragedy, the human cost, the financial cost, the burden on farmers and ranchers. That's Republican Texas Congressman Austin Pfluger. The vast majority of illegal immigrants are uninsured, and Republicans say that's leading to a national health crisis. The mayor of New York is standing up saying, we, we, we can't handle this, It's we, we can't do this. I agree with the mayor on that point. He must end the absolute abuse, rape, and torture of these kids that's going on as a result of the cartels owning the southern border. Now, so according to some numbers published by the Health and Human Services, Medicaid spent $7 billion on emergency services for undocumented aliens in the 2021 fiscal year. And hundreds of illegal immigrants have been pouring across the Mexico border into the tiny Texas town of Eagle Pass. And the people there say, "Okay, you think it's bad in New York. It's really bad here. City of Eagle Pass declared an emergency disaster because they're getting overwhelmed. Congressman Tony Gonzalez says his border district does not have the resources by any means to keep up. The Texas Republican says in El Paso, the feds have more than 6,000 illegal immigrants in custody. The nonprofits and these faith-based organizations are overwhelmed. It's all because the administration won't enforce the laws that are on the books.
Yeah, more keep coming, so they're releasing 1,000 people a day onto the streets. Most are from Venezuela and traveled through Mexico on a train. WABC News Time 512 Air Force General Charles Q. Brown Jr. set to become America's top military officer. It's the first Pentagon confirmation since a recent blockade on military promotions by Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville, who blamed Democrats for the delay after Wednesday's vote. Instead of voting... Democrats have spent months complaining about having to vote. They want us to use floor time for things like liberal judges, like the one we confirmed a couple hours ago. Brown was confirmed as chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff in a Senate vote last night, had bipartisan support. The hold will remain in place as long as the Pentagon's illegal abortion policy remains in place. If the Pentagon lifts the policy... Then I will lift my hold. Yeah, but Senator, Senator Tuberville has been blocking military personnel moves for months because he wants to overturn the Pentagon policy of granting leave and travel expenses for those who want an abortion in a state where they are uh, stationed. 513, Republicans, Democrats pointing fingers at each other as they try to uh, come to a budget agreement with the looming September 30th deadline. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand thinks the U.S. government is heading for a shutdown in just over a week. And you might not be surprised to hear that she's blaming the Republicans, in particular, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. It doesn't look good. Um, I think Speaker McCarthy has completely lost control of this conference. And I think the American people are seeing that Gillibrand called Republicans' control devastating for the government, saying a shutdown would cost the country billions of dollars that will never be recovered. She says she remains hopeful, though, they can get something done. Republican control has been devastating. Um, When you shut down a government, it affects the economy significantly. It can cause billions of dollars of damage that never gets restored. WABC News Time 514. Let's go out to Detroit. A new strike deadline announced by the UAW, the United Auto Workers. He says if no substantial progress in contract talks has been made by noon this Friday, they will call on more local unions to expand their stand-up strike against GM, Ford, and Chrysler owner Stellantis. Currently, the UAW is striking three auto plants, one from each of America's big three. Ford and GM could both lose $40 million in profits per week and even more if the union expands the strike to more plants. The impact is already rippling through the industry, as some parts suppliers say they're going to have to lay people off. I'm Mark Mayfield. WABC Newstime 515. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk on this Friday Eve, where we find Justin Ellick. Good morning, Justin. Good morning, Noah Malayden. Happy Friday Eve to you as well. We're looking forward to week three of the NFL season set to kick off with your New York football Giants tonight on Thursday Night Football in San Francisco against the 49ers. Star running back Saquon Barkley has officially been ruled out. And the G-Men are currently 10.5-point underdogs going in. As for the Jets, right now they're 2.5-point underdogs Sunday afternoon at home against the New England Patriots. On the diamond, the Yankees lost 6-1 at home to the Blue Jays in the first of three with Toronto. Michael King got out-dueled on the mound by Toronto's Kevin Gausman. While the bats went quiet once again for the Yanks, registering just five hits on the night. New York will try and avoid a sweep in the finale tonight, set for 7.05 p.m. first pitch. Garrett Cole will get the start there. As for the Mets, they were able to salvage their <clears throat> excuse me salvage their series finale in Miami, beating the Marlins eight to three last night to avoid a serious sweep. Mark Vientos had his first career multi-homer game. Brandon Nimmo was a triple short of the cycle, 
And Kodai Senga threw six innings, a two-run ball. Well, that Betty also went deep for the Mets. They'll make the trip now to Philadelphia, the Mets, that is, where they'll meet the Phillies for a four-game set. A series opener scheduled for 7-15. First pitch tonight with David Peterson set to take the is hill. Is anybody showing up at these games anymore? Does anybody know. care? I'd actually be interested to check out those attendance numbers. I, um, I certainly don't care. I think they juice them, right? I mean, they, they tell you that there's 30,000 people there, but there's actually like 20,000. Yeah, and, you know, I'm not even sure they're really going over uh, how many people are actually walking through the turnstiles. Maybe they're really even going after who's actually buying the tickets, right. you know, purchases. Yeah. That's an as old opposed trick. to Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, if you look around early on in these games, uh, nobody's there. And then, you know, probably by the third or fourth inning, people are starting to trickle in a little bit more. Um, because you know it's not a, it's not as urgent as it was earlier in the season. You don't have to be in there first pitching them. No, it hasn't know. been urgent since for most <laughs> for a, very, most for of the for a long yeah. time. Yeah, for a long since really even before the All Star break. Twelve thousand so, um, at the Met game last, last night. Twelve. That really wow. that's it. Yeah, that's the paid attendance. That's wow. Crazy. That's in Miami. Oh, okay. Well, it yeah, was in Miami. Miami. Okay, it was in Miami. So yeah. my, the Marlins traditionally don't get it. Do don't get great attendance at their games. Twelve thousand. But geez. I'd be I'd be interested to see how many people are coming to City Field. That would be that'd be interesting. So we'll check that out, and then we'll let you know. Okay. All right. And that's sports on seventy-seven WABC. I'm Justin Alex. WABC News Time five nineteen. The General Assembly over that the United Nations. It continues. California Governor Gavin Newsom. He was there yesterday, blasting big oil at the UN. Newsom. Addressing the U.N. Climate Ambition Summit yesterday, calling out the oil industry for what he says are lies. For decades and decades, the oil industry has been playing each and every one of us in this room for fools. He claims they buy off politicians and deny or hide science and is not helpful to them. This climate crisis persists. It's not complicated. It's not complicated. It's the burning of oil. It's the burning of gas. It's the burning of coal. And we need to call that out. Making that speech before an amen chorus of people who agree with him. But lots of people would push back against some of his ideas. The state of California suing five big oil companies and the trade group that represents them, alleging decades-long deception about the correlation between fossil fuel production and climate change. So he wasn't the only one that was uh, speaking before the U.N. It was a day of speeches like it usually is. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, he was there calling out Russia for its invasion of Ukraine. Well, Speaking for the U.N. Security Council yesterday, he accused Russia of committing war crimes. For over a year and a half, Russia has shredded the major tenets of the United Nations Charter, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, international humanitarian law, and flouted one Security Council resolution after another. Blinken's comments coming just a day after President Biden essentially said the same things about Russia. Russia is committing war crimes and crimes against humanity in Ukraine on an almost daily basis. In this war, there is an aggressor and there is a victim. One side is attacking the core principles of the U.N. Charter. The other fights to defend them. WABC News Time 521. COVID is not the only infection that's left researchers scratching their heads. There's been a sudden spike in malaria, like we need that too on top of COVID, and it's hitting parts of the South. It's quite interesting to see it pop up, but not unexpected if you've been following some of these tropical 
diseases in the last decade. So that's Dr. Rodney Rode. He's out with this new report suggesting that climate change is playing a role. There are many more mosquitoes, he says, thanks to global warming. That means there's a better chance that someone who caught malaria will be get bitten by a bloodsucker, which then can transmit the disease to someone else. What's happened with these, which really jumped on the radar when it happened this summer, was all had no history of travel. Yeah, so usually, right, if you head over to Africa or somewhere overseas, that's where you get it. But these are all cases that they say took place right here in the good old USA. It's just a precaution to keep an eye on these types of vector-borne diseases so that they don't flare up again. Yeah, so there have been eight cases um, in Florida and Texas. The good news is, unlike in the old days, if you got this, you could potentially die from it. Now, if you get the medication in time, you should just be fine. But of course, you get nice and sick if you do come down with malaria. 523, potential candidate Ron DeSantis, or I should say presidential candidate Ron DeSantis, pledging to push gas prices down to $2 a gallon if he's elected in 2024. Presidential policies only have limited impacts on gas prices, but the Republican Florida governor says he wants to target the issue along with energy costs in office. Average gas prices in the U.S. currently sit at about three eighty-eight a gallon. I'm Trey Thomas. Okay, we have a starting date now for New York City's congestion pricing plan. It comes in May. But there's still a lot of questions about how this whole thing is going to play out. It looks like congestion pricing will go into effect in May of next year. The timeline confirmed by the MTA, it would make New York City the first in the country to have a congestion pricing toll. The exact price of the toll and which drivers would be exempt should be announced in October. Drivers could pay as much as $23 to enter Manhattan below 60th Street. MTA Chairman Jana Lieber says there's no need to boost service on subways and buses because they aren't full because they're still recovering from low ridership due to the pandemic. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. All right, let's go out to Newark, the airport there. Not well liked by travelers. I know that's not news, but uh, they are part of a new survey that rated the airports across the country. And, well, yeah, Newark didn't do so great. The latest J.D. Power survey rates Newark Airport dead last in customer satisfaction. That's for the second year in a row. JFK Airport came in 11th out of 20 mega-sized airports. LaGuardia, that's come a long way, apparently. Once described as an airport in a third-world country, it's jumped a few spots, coming in 14th out of 20 in that large airport's category. Passengers have said that recent upgrades at LaGuardia represent a big improvement. James Flippin for 77 WABC News. WABC News Time 525. The FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, publicly naming three Amazon executives that say were key players in what the agency calls a scheme to enroll and keep prime customers. The FTC yesterday amended a lawsuit it filed against Amazon in June. The agency said Vice Presidents Neil Lindsay, Russell Grandetti, and Jamil Ghani knew the online retail and entertainment giant was enrolling customers in Amazon Prime without their knowledge, but chose not to do anything about it. The Federal Reserve going to hold off on raising interest rates. The Fed chairman, Jerome Powell, making the announcement yesterday, but says there could be another rate hike before the year is over. We're prepared to raise rates further, if appropriate, and we intend to hold policy at a restrictive level until we're confident 
that inflation is moving down sustainably toward our objective. So his argument is that inflation is still well above the central bank's goal of 2%. My colleagues and I are acutely aware that high inflation imposes significant hardship as it erodes purchasing power, especially for those least able to meet the higher costs of essentials like food, housing, and transportation. None of this news from the Fed grade if you're looking to buy a house. Federal Reserve has raised rates 11 times since March of 2022 as part of its campaign to bring down inflation. Let's look at the markets. They closed lower yesterday after that Fed Reserve paused those rate hikes. Uh, However, the Fed, of course, hinting one more rate hike is likely in the cards. So, Let's see, uh, that's uh, playing uh, havoc with the markets as well. Meanwhile, tech stocks, they dragged in yesterday's session at the closing bell. The Dow fell 76 points. S&P 500 lost 41. The Nasdaq dropped 209 points. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 531. Good morning. It is Thursday, September 21st. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. A mix of sun and clouds today. Just another beauty. High 74. Tonight, Overnight, cools down nicely, some clouds, low 61, and then Friday's going to be mostly cloudy, high 72. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are, 53 and clear in Pleasantville up in Westchester County, 55 and clear in Perth Amboy down in New Jersey, and it is 57 and clear here in Midtown Manhattan where we'll start this half hour. So it looks like congestion pricing will go to into effect in eight months in May of next year. The timeline confirmed yesterday by the MTA, who's going to hit us with these charges. So, of course, the question is, uh, oh, there's a ton of questions, but the big one is how much is it going to cost you to drive below 60th Street in Manhattan next year? No price, they say, has been determined, but it could be anywhere from 9 to 23 bucks. The fairest thing we can do is keep the base toll as low as we possibly can. As soon as we start giving exemptions here, exemptions there, then people really do have a, a, a claim and saying it's not fair, It's you're benefiting X as opposed to Y. Yes, so uh, the big question, too, is not only the fair, but who won't have to pay it? If you're going in and out, do you have to pay each time? Uh, but so far, they haven't told us all the details, but they claim come October we'll know a whole lot more. Of course, congestion pricing, it would be make New York the first country, first in the country to have congestion pricing tolls, which uh, there are New Yorkers, by the way, who like this idea. Most of them, of course, as you might guess, are not drivers. They think it'll make the environment healthier, cleaner. Buses will run faster. Air will be cleaner. Our streets will be quieter and calmer. And New Yorkers who rely on driving will spend less time stuck in traffic than ever before. Now, of course, we don't know if any of that's true, but that's what they claim. The exact price of that toll, of course, and who would be exempt. They claim they'll tell us by October. Of course, New Jersey's suing to try to stop this. We'll see if that uh, stops this in May. But the MTA, if you've been up by Bloomingdale's on the east side, uh, they have those cameras up ready to charge your, you know, to capture pictures of your license plate. They're ready to go in all parts of the city where you be- drive below 60th Street. And so the MTA says, oh, this is a done deal come May of 2024. Of course, these lawsuits could uh, tie that up a bit. We'll watch it as that happens. But come October, we're told we'll have a 
better idea of how much this is going to cost drivers and who might be exempt, though it sounds like from the talk of the MTA yesterday, not a lot of people will be exempt from that toll. 534 out to New Jersey. Federal prosecutors looking into whether an admitted felon helped arrange to give gold bars worth hundreds of thousands of dollars to New Jersey Senator Robert Menendez and his wife in exchange for help. NBC is reporting this morning that investigators want to know if Menendez offered to contact the Justice Department to try to help the man who is accused of banking crimes. Those questions apparently now before a federal grand jury here in Manhattan that's considering whether to hand up corruption charges against the senior senator from New Jersey. Uh, this is a, a legislative uh, commentator who's been watching this case and says none of this is good news, of course, for Senator Menendez. For purposes of the Federal Extortion Act, it makes no difference if the senator actually took an official act so long as he accepted the money and there was knowledge that the money was an exchange for that official influence, even if he never carried out what he promised he would do. Sources say witnesses are now testifying before that federal grand jury. Part of the investigation centers on the senator's ties to Fred Davis, who is a New Jersey developer, a one-time bank chairman. Officials with the FBI and the IRS criminal investigation want to know if Davis or his associates gave gold bars to the senator's wife worth as much as $400,000 at the time of the gift handoff. Davis was facing federal bank fraud charges that could have landed him up a decade in federal prison. Now, you might remember the senator's been in trouble before. Back in 2015, Menendez, then in his second term as senator, was indicted on bribery charges and what prosecutors say was a scheme to trade political favors for luxury vacations, golf outings, campaign donations, expensive flights, two years uh, after nine weeks, two years later, after nine weeks of testimony, a federal jury was able, uh, unable to reach a verdict, and uh, they declared that trial a mistrial, and so he got off on these charges. But boy, this does not look good for the senator, of course, if it's true. <laughs> I will point out that I see him quite often because he works out at my gym, which doesn't say much about my gym if you see the shape of Senator Menendez. WABC News Time 536. An investigation underway after police say a human leg was found in the parking lot of a TD Bank last night in Queens. The discovery made by a member of the TD Bank cleaning crew who was taking out the trash when they spotted this body part in the bin under some trash. Before you actually see it, you could smell the dead body. You could smell everything's rotting, right? I saw the uh, blue the blue trash can, the blue recycle bin where the body was dumped, and I saw like it open and some stuff hanging out. It was some garbage, and I saw like the shoe. Police confirming a decomposed human leg attached to a foot found in a blue trash container next to the dumpster in the parking lot of the TD Bank in the Hillcrest neighborhood. Neighbors say it was the smell that attracted construction workers on the job site to investigate the blue recycling bin and then this cleaning crew. And that's when they became uh, came upon this grisly discovery. It showed like. Someone just dropping it off into a um, uh, next to the dumpster. But still pretty shocking to see it like up close firsthand. Yeah, I bet. Something like that happening. Something and like that happening in your neighborhood. Of course, lots of questions. Where's the rest of the body? Who does that leg belong to? Police 
Now looking at video from a nearby home that shows a person wheeling a recycling bin down the block towards that dumpster back on September 11th. Now they're looking for that person thinking that might be the one who dumped the leg into that trash can. WABC News Time 539. Let's go out to Westchester, or rather Rockland County. Two rabbis who pled guilty to charges related to starting a deadly fire at a Rockland County assisted living home, avoiding prison time. Rabbi Nathaniel Somer speaking out in court before being given five years probation under a plea deal for two counts of manslaughter. I'm sorry. I feel terrible for what I did. I've tried my whole life to help people. And I did the exact opposite here. His son, Aaron Somer, sentenced to three years probation for reckless endangerment. It was back in March of 2021. Volunteer firefighter Jared Lloyd and a 79-year-old resident of that home killed in a fire at the Evergreen Court Adult Home in Spring Valley. Volunteer firefighters and family members of the victim upset that those two were not given any prison time. My life has been turned upside down these last two and a half years because of a reckless act that caused a tragic death of my only child. How does the negligent act of these defendants warrant no jail time, Judge Russo? The district attorney there, Thomas Walsh, saying justice does not always mean prison time and that a trial could be challenging for prosecutors and that could risk an acquittal, so they made this deal instead. 541 up to Connecticut, Westport, Connecticut police meeting with neighbors last night. Talk about an increase in carjacking and car thefts there. Surveillance video we played for you this yesterday showed this brutal attack in Westport where a man who had just pulled his Aston Martin into his garage Sunday afternoon, was repeatedly hit before being carjacked. Well, lots of people shared that video, heard it here, I'm sure, as well, and said, I don't want that to happen to me. And so they showed up at this meeting last night. Uh, some of them who also say they own Aston Martins must be, well, Westport's a wealthy town. Watching that man be assaulted was horrific. It could have been me. I, I have the same car, different color. It's getting out of control. Yeah, Westport police, neighboring law enforcement agencies trying to calm people's nerves. And they say, you just have to keep your eyes open. If you see something, say something to them. We've increased patrols on the street. Uh, we have uh, we have officers assigned to that auto theft task force. We ask that they uh, continue to do their part in this and lock their car doors, be cognizant of their surroundings. So they've caught up with some of these people who've been stealing cars. Authorities say the thieves are using stolen vehicles from Westport to commit crimes in other areas, and they say they need the community's help tracking those people down. They have charged 30, uh, 39-year-old Derek McGill after they found the BMW used in the carjacking at uh, the guy, the Aston Martin home. Uh, they drove up in a BMW and then drove away in the Aston Martin and the BMW, so they've caught up with him. And the second person that was with him was a 16-year-old. <laughs> so either way, anyway, they've caught up with both of those folks. Now they're trying, they're saying that there are other people out there, and they think they'll make arrests soon. 543, let's bring it back here into the city. Manhattan investigators returning artwork stolen by the Nazis to their rightful heirs. The artwork was deemed degenerate and confiscated from Fritz Gunnbaum's collection before he and his wife were killed in the Holocaust. Judge Timothy Reif is a relative of theirs, and he will now get this artwork that was um, uh, his relative's. Remembering their lives defeats Hitler's plan to erase this brave Jewish man's name. 
from the book of history. The Manhattan DA's office helping return these seven pieces of artwork by this Austrian artist. His name is Agan Schiele, pretty famous, to the family of Grunbaum, who was an Austrian Jew, a cabaret performer, an art collector, and that's why he had this artwork. But sort of amazing, this stuff is still going on so many years after the Holocaust that they're able to track this down and return it to its rightful heir so that artwork will come back here to New York. When viewing these artworks, imagine Fritz and Elizabeth in their lively Vienna apartment singing and dancing and cracking jokes. And who knew that just months later they'd be walked to their death in the concentration camps, but good job by the Manhattan DA getting that artwork back. And flying taxis. <laughs> I saw this story yesterday. Not sure what to make of it, but flying taxis may be coming to New York City as soon as 2025. Joby Aviation sending us this release yesterday. They say they've made this aircraft that fits a pilot and four passengers. It's powered by six electric motors. It'll have a vertical takeoff and landing. And you would book a ride just like you book a ride for an Uber or a Lyft. You know, the other ride shares. Just a few taps in an app. Uh, they haven't given us a price, but they say they have the prototype. They have this thing ready to go. And they would be low-flying aircraft that would get you above traffic and obviously somewhere a whole lot faster than you get there now. But it's sort of uh, kind of Jetsons-like, right? This is what we thought would happen in the year 2000. But here we are. They say 2025, these flying taxis will come to the Big Apple. We'll have to see if that actually happens. All right, 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellick. What's the policy on uh, gridlocking these flying taxis? Well, you know, they're going to have to legislate it, and mm-hmm. then they'll have to come up with rules. Right, and, but like uh, on like weeks like this week, would you be able to just take a flying taxi over all the traffic? I mean, how cool would that be? Right. I doubt it. I don't know. These low-flying, essentially flying cars. Yeah. That's kind of cool. I like the idea of it. Well, it's about time, don't you think? Yeah, I, you know, when I was a kid, they said the year 2000 uh-huh. it was going to happen, and uh-huh. 2000 came, and we were still uh-huh. driving on those dopey cars. Yeah, so. I mean, gee, my God. Stupid. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Give me in the air already. We're looking forward to week three, Dome, of the NFL season. Set to kick off with your New York football giants tonight on Thursday Night Football in San Fran against the 49ers. Star running back Saquon Barkley has officially been ruled out for this one, and the G-Men are currently 10.5-point underdogs going in. As for the Jets, right now they're 2.5-point underdogs Sunday afternoon at home against the New England Patriots. On the diamond, the Yankees lost 6-1 at home to the Blue Jays in the first of three with Toronto. Michael King got out to on the mound by Toronto's Kevin Gaussman. While the bets went quiet once again for the Yanks, registering just five hits on the net. New York will try and avoid a sweep in the finale tonight, set for a 7.05 p.m. first pitch. Garrett Cole getting the start there. As for the Mets, they were able to salvage their series finale in Miami, beating the Marlins 8-3 to last night to avoid a series sweep. Mark Vientos had his first career multi-homer game. Brandon Nimmo was a triple short of the cycle. And Kodai Senga threw six innings, a two-run ball, while Brett Beatty also went deep for the Mets. They'll make the trip now to Philadelphia. Well, they'll meet the Phillies for a four-game set. The series opener is scheduled for 7.15 p.m. first pitch tonight with David Peterson set to take the hill for New York. Sports No on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Ellis. Right, let's get you up on the big stories of the morning. President Biden announcing yesterday that he's going to grant temporary 
protected status to Venezuelans that have come here, the migrants across the border. Uh, anybody that got into the U.S. before July of this year will be able to get fast-tracked to a temporary work permit to get a job. Uh, Governor Hochul said she met with the president while he was here for the General Assembly of the United Nations. Uh, they spoke about this, and she's happy that the president has made this move. This is a, a good approach, and I thank the president for Having a limit, this is for people who came before July 31st, so it's not an enticement for more to come after. I think that was an important consideration. But also, it really does have to slow down at the border because the volume keeps growing and growing. The move means Venezuelans granted that status will not have to wait 180 days before becoming eligible for work. Mayor Adams, as you might guess, happy to hear this as well. He called into Eyewitness News last night. Right now, this will impact 15,000 out of the 60,000 asylum seekers who are in our care, and we are getting 10,000 a month. Yes, so uh, that number, 15,000, that's the thought of the Venezuelans out of the 110,000 that have arrived here in New York over the last year. 15,000 of them will be able to go out and get jobs almost as soon as possible. Uh, So why Venezuela? That might be the question you're asking. Uh, Their ongoing political crisis in Venezuela uh, since the presidency of Hugo Chavez, now Nicolas Maduro. Things are just bad in Venezuela, so they would assume... They would call them asylum seekers, that they're really getting away from a terrible situation. So that's why they go to the head of the line. Um, You know, there's crime there, disease there, just a bad situation. So Venezuelans will go to the front of the line, will be able to get these job permits and be able to work right away. That, as uh, here in the city, these buses continue to roll in some 10,000 migrants a month. Out on Staten Island, they've been able to keep most of the migrants out. And this battle continues at a senior citizen home in Midland Beach. It was a senior citizen home now turned into a migrant shelter. Ten people in Staten Island on Tuesday night were arrested for blocking the streets as they tried to roll in a bus of migrants into that senior citizen center. They were out again last night. We don't have any word of arrest, at least as of 551 this morning. But those Staten Islanders say they don't want any more buses coming in. We had agreed to be peaceful and we were. But we weren't saying anything detrimental. We just didn't. We said, go to Manhattan. It ain't right. Keep trying. See what happens. You know, we're the only the only borough that's going to keep fighting. There were a lot of cops watching this crowd last night. Our own Curtis Lewa, of course, back out there with them. They come off the bus. They might not go in the shelter. They, they could rob you. It'll be less expensive. So send them home. Get it legally. Everybody came here illegally. Conflicting reports about how many buses have actually made it through. For sure, one did. The one on Tuesday night that they tried to stop it eventually made it to the Senior Citizen Center, now turned into a migrant shelter, and those people settling in. It is what it is. What can we do about it, you know? I understand it's a good cause to bring people that have nowhere else to go, but when we're not doing good, we can't afford to do that, I feel like. The other big story is good news for parents. The union that represents school bus drivers in the city reaching a tentative agreement last night with the three Three largest school bus companies essentially averting this widespread strike here in the city. The tentative three-year deal between the ATU 1181 and the largest bus companies still have to be ratified by the rank and file, but the thought is it will be. They represent about 4,000 routes. The union still must come to an agreement with some other small bus providers, but the thought is... It is a done deal. They were fighting over money and benefits. Uh, 86,000 students across the New York City school system could have lost their ride 
if this strike had happened now, it looks like for sure that or almost for sure that it will not happen. There is um, no bail for a driver facing six counts of vehicular homicide for killing four members of a family in, in a crash out on Long Island. Nassau County District Attorney Ann Donnelly says 32-year-old Michael D'Angelo was speeding and high on drugs when he slammed into a car on the Sunrise Highway in Massapequa last month. He went before a judge yesterday. He was going 120 miles an hour on Sunrise Highway, a busy Nassau County road, at 7.15 in the evening. Prosecutors say D'Angelo, after the crash, told a detective that he used heroin on the day of the crash. D'Angelo due back in court next month. While we're out on Long Island, the Wyandanche School Board bringing in a special counsel now to conduct an independent investigation into alleged a grade fixing at Milton Olive Middle School. The allegations coincide with the reassignments of the school's principal and vice principal. Multiple sources telling News 12 that state test scores were inflated to make the school look better. Hundreds of grades uh, may have been affected. There was a board meeting last night and uh, they were trying to explain exactly what was going on. The Board of Education has been made aware of allegations uh, regarding scoring grades at Middle Island School. We are currently investigating these allegations and will be appointed special counsel to conduct an independent investigation. So the school recently had its state rating upgraded from academically struggling to good standing. Assistant Superintendent Christian Jordan, she was not at last night's school board meetings, but some parents were. Under no circumstances should any administrator be allowed to work in this district if they are complacent with creating a culture that supports the practice of changing grades. So here's what sources tell News 12. Assistant Superintendent Christian Jordan there was apparently involved in a widely reported grade-fixing scandal in Queens back in 2015. So none of that looks good. New York State has new laws making it easier to vote. Governor Hochul signing a package of bills yesterday that allows all eligible registered New York State voters to vote early by mail ahead of an election. Voting to me and to the state is precious. It is sacred, and every one of us has a responsibility to expand it, to make it more available. Another bill she signed would allow people to register to vote on the first day of the early voting period and cast their ballot all on the same day. The more eligible voters are participating in the process, the more they will be invested in their government, the more the government will reflect the actual will of the people it represents. 556. All right, let's let's end with this one. This is a crazy story out of New Jersey. Several body shop workers caught on camera rummaging through a customer's car and even performing a lewd act in their car. This customer reaching out to News 12. His name is Nicholas Gates. He lives a few miles away from the Denville Bear and Body Shop in Morristown. And um, he decided to have his car repaired there after an accident. But he says when he got the car back, he noticed that a whole bunch of things had been moved around. Well, coincidentally, he has a dashboard camera and uh, it activates when there's movement. So he got to see what was going on in his car when these body workers got inside. And it's, yeah, it's a little creepy. The very first person who got into my car as soon as I got off the tow truck um, immediately looked through my center console, uh, found money and a pack of gum and took that for himself. All right. That doesn't seem so bad because it's weirder. Fred turned on my vehicle next, um, did the unfortunate thing of deciding to 
touch himself. Okay. Another employee was seen smoking an e-cigarette. Uh, so now, of course, uh, he wants everybody to know that creepy stuff's happening at this dealership. So many people probably bring their cars there who don't have a camera, and these things probably can still happen, and then, what, they can't prove it or have any proof of it. The guy who decided to touch himself, I do hope that they get charged with something because yeah, we'll have- it's simply not okay. Yeah, no, you're right. It's definitely not okay.